Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey, gardening friends, how are you all? I hope you are going fantastically well. We have Bev Daring and John Glidden with us. This is our last program for 2021. We'll be back in a four weeks' time. Today, our lines are open. You know the number, 94841927. And you can email us by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Cheers to the breakfast crew, the very clever and witty Alan Simons, supported today by the resourceful Rob Miller. And uh, good luck and all the best to Rob now that he's retiring from volunteering. Retiring from retiring. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? How are you, Faye? I'm good, thank you, Ray. How did you survive the week? Oh, with flying colours. Did you? <laughs> I did. I was out there. I was still gardening, pottering. Shuffling things again, mm. putting them into the right location. Yeah. I moved all of my ripsalis. Oh, really? To where? Well, I found another piece of mesh and mm. I hung that up with mm. four hanging basket hooks and all my little baskets that have got hangers on them, like 20 or so, could go into one one square metre area hanging up high yeah. under a shady part of the patio. Okay, perfect. So there's about 50 of those there. Yeah, no, Just, that, that 40 the other day, I assume it got to 40 and above, uh, was a bit of a rude awakening uh, for me, personally. I didn't handle it very well. I don't know how I'm going to make it till autumn. Well, <laughs> Seriously. It's our little warning, isn't it? it we is. We sort of carry on gardening right up until the death knock and then it just it slaps you in the face and says, right, girls, now it's 40 degrees, what are you going to do? Yeah. So we've now switched to summer survival mode. And yeah. I'm putting a lot of plants into the shade house because they will have a protected position out of the wind. Yeah. They'll get watering sort of every second day. That's probably mm. about all they need or mm. hand watering in between. Mm. And they'll still look really good. Mm. Mm. So I love my shade house. Yes, yes. Mm. And now that I have one, I'll be pushing a lot more in there as well. But, mm. Ray, the garden itself... Not you know, bad. is, is yeah. looking healthy. I yeah. think the work's been done leading up to it. The, it, it is you know, key. different things have been put on the garden during the year. The the palletised chicken manure, the mulch, uh, a bit of slow-release fertiliser. And with the, the warm weather and the odd rains that we've got and now the water to keep it looking good, it's looking healthy. And you've got a beautiful array of flowers there to prove it. Oh, tell you what, I've fed the cannas this year after yeah. cutting them to ground level and they are responding like you wouldn't believe. We cut uh, cut down part of a bottle brush tree so the sunlight is getting more into that part of the garden. And they're happy about that. They're just thriving. gangbusters. The colours are divine. Absolutely Those ones beautiful. are orange and yellow, but we've got reds and pink and then we've got some varied leaf colours. Mm. So cannas are just one of the 
the stalwarts of a summer garden, aren't they? They are, and they just give you that endless colour, mm. and they're tough. And we'll be chatting with Keith about his jasmine bush in a moment. Um, given it's our last program for the year, John Glidden's going to join us for part of the show, do a little bit of reminiscing and a few highlights and uh, see what he's got to say for himself of the 12 months that we've... Uh, just put in and we're also got very important interviews today chatting with Eva Rishi and Tim Westcott. This is all about proposed changes to water use for boar owners. Okay, so there's a lot going on there, folks, and we will be discussing it uh, later this morning around about five past nine, nine to be exact. Okay, let's go to Kalaroo. Keith, good morning. Good morning. I've got a jasmine bush in the garden, been there about four to five years, very healthy. I've had two flowers on it in four, five years. What's the problem? Ooh, is it getting sun, Keith, or it's much? Getting sun, get plenty of water. I've, I've, I've uh, put potash on it, and I put uh, the um, what they call it. Um, I've uh, fertilised it very regularly, and it just doesn't do anything. But it, the bush itself is beautiful, but there's no flowers. Okay, <laughs> if it's lush and green. It yeah. could potentially be getting too much nitrogen and, and not enough potash. Sunlight is certainly critical. Have you cut it back at all? I did last year, but it's, it's gone berserk this year. It's very tall at the moment in the garden. Right, okay. And what is the type of fertiliser that you've used? Potassium. Is that all you've used? Well, several other things, um, blood and bone and... When I've gone water the rest of the plants, I've put blood and bone on it and it just doesn't do anything, really. Well, it, it's just beautiful uh, green and everything, but no flowers. All right. <laughs> two, two flowers, that's all. So you've given it blood and bone and you've given it potash. Potas potassium, yeah. Potassium. Okay. The only other thing that I would recommend, and I, I recommend this weekly, is to use a complete fertiliser designed for flowering and fruiting plants because right. plants need macronutrients and micronutrients, including trace elements. Right. And so when you're using a specific element, you might be missing out on something else. Right. So I, I do like a controlled release one. Uh, you can use an MPK, which will give you a sudden hit but You're it's right. used up quickly and it doesn't hang around whereas with a controlled release if you only did it once a year it will still last for about six months so it'll get right. you through that that growing and that flowering season okay that's fine mm, that's what i would do keith then you know you've covered all your bases yeah radio thanks very much for that i appreciate it you're welcome thank you okay, okay. cheers bye and let's pop across to Huntingdale and chat about roses. Jean, hello. Yes, hello. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a beautiful flush of roses. I've never had any trouble with my roses before, but suddenly some of them look as if they're dying. I'm getting no roses. I've just fed them with... Um, oh, I can't think of the stuff. <laughs> I've gone blank. Um, It'll yeah, come to you. Okay. I've always fed them with the same. It's, you know, I get it from the Rose Society. I just do not know what's wrong with them. The, the rose, a couple of roses that have come out look deformed. And some of the 
uh, roses are getting a few new leaves. They're a different colour. They're very bright, limey colour. Mm, okay. Something definitely doesn't sound right. Um, no. Photo would be good. <laughs> photo would yeah. be very helpful. But just just for basics, uh, it takes about six weeks for new ra- roses to flower after they've cop- cut, been cut back. Soil preparation is the key. So adding fertiliser is great and it will give things a boost. But hopefully you've done some annual maintenance, added something that's going to help hold moisture and nutrients in the soil, added mulch. Yes, they've been mulched with black mulch uh, uh, probably about four or five weeks ago. Um, Sudden impact is the stuff I was trying to think of. I, I mulch them with uh, sheep manure. I, I, did, I do everything that I normally do each year, sprayed them with lime sulfur when I pruned them back. Had a beautiful flush in the spring. Suddenly, they look sick. Okay, all right. Um, one thing that I don't like, and that's the black mulch, because I find it doesn't do anything to improve the soil. Often the fines are quite small and it can hold moisture in the top not letting it go through it can also reflect heat back up and and make the soil hot okay Uh, that's me personally i've i've used it in my garden and found that it actually created a layer between the top of the surface and below so that's something to look out for Uh, some of those can go crusty but that probably isn't your problem uh Potentially, it could be some summer bugs. Uh, have you seen any signs of bugs on the plants? No, I've pulled the, the deformed roses off and pulled them apart. Couldn't find anything on there. Couldn't find anything on the underneath of the leaf. I looked for minute stuff. Um, some of the leaves look as if they have black spots. Really oh, bad. okay, and, and crusty, and I pull them off. Okay, and I have seen more black spot around the garden this year, so that could be part of the problem because not not a health an unhealthy plant can't support healthy flowers. And of course, no. we've had a heat wave this week, so yes. any roses that might have been forming could have been turned very crispy on the bush. So there's a couple of things oh, yeah. to look for. But please do send us a photo and right. um, and check the soil underneath. Make sure that the water is getting through. And Okay. Yeah. What can I do to help if the black mulch is not ideal? Can I pull it back and maybe give them some more sheep manure? Or and even uh, some of the straw mulches. Um, are, are soft, they break down nicely and improve the soil and they keep moisture in and they're easy to use too. Alright, okay, so just straw. Okay, well, I not just that. straw but one of the, there are a few different mulch products that are based on oh, straw. You mean like, like the lupin type ones? Yeah, there's yeah, a lupin, lupin mulch, mulch. there's, mm. um, there's Pea is another good one but yeah. some of them actually have manures in them and they do stink a bit so don't use it when the weather's going to be hot because they can bring in flies and you don't want to do that right before a Christmas event. No. (laughs) And so Jean how many roses do you have? Uh, Probably about 35 something like that yeah. Okay. Are they all doing that? 
some look worse than others. I've yeah. got a David Austin that, because, you know, I deadheaded when the spring roses were finished, where I've dead, there's, there's like two inches of dead. So I don't know whether I'm going to lose the whole thing or I don't okay. know. I guess what you want to look out for is if it is the return of the chili thrip, which mm. we might likely see coming into the warmer weather. Yeah. But I didn't want to broach that before we ruled out everything else. Um, is there you, anything that you can do about the chili thrip? Well, let's get it positively identified, okay? So you could take okay. some samples to uh, Deep Herd. They're in Barren Hay Court in South Perth. Uh, you know, you can send photos to them for starters, but then taking samples. I wouldn't like to to start talking about something that may not exist. I'm seeing people okay. do that with their lawns and black beetle, and it's unnecessary to treat something that isn't there. So let's no. let's work on the other problems first. So that was the Department of Deeper D P I R D. D-P-I-R-D. Thank you. Okay. I'll look them up. All right. Thanks, Rosemary. Cheers for now. Cheers for now. And let me have a look at the time. Yes, we can go to Armadale. Rosemary, good morning. Hello, hello. Rosemary. Yes, hello. Hello. How can we help you? Well, I've um, I've had a rose and it's um, named Sentimental. Oh. I've got it in a pot. I've had it about six weeks. And every time a bud appears, it's got maybe six buds at the moment, but there's definitely something eating it because it goes brown before it even gets open. Are there big holes in it or is it just... No, just little tiny ones, just little brown brown eating marks like, yeah, something's definitely, yeah. Mm, okay. Here looking at it. So our last caller was from Huntingdale, and You're I guess you heard everything I said. Yes, I did. Okay, all right. The same same applies. Let's get it positively identified as oh, what okay. the cause is. So the thing is, get a magnifying glass, have a look okay. under that. Um, a magnifying glass with a light is even better. And, yeah. and just keep watching. Uh, check some of your new buds as well you might see some tiny insects moving around. So thrips, yeah, thrips okay. are very tiny. Aphids yeah. could be a problem, but see what you can find. I know that they're yeah. hard to see, but they yeah. can be seen if you're looking for and them. the old white piece of paper yeah. underneath yeah. them. Give the, give the oh, bud a okay. tap and see if yeah. there's anything dropping. That would be... Okay. So well, I'll do that. in order to, to move on, we need to positively identify what we're dealing with. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, okay, good. Lovely. All right. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks, okay, Rosemary. Bye. Yeah. bye. And they need to do it quickly as well. Don't 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 stall. Okay. All right. We'll have a short break. When we come back, we're chatting with Terry about his grass tree. Catching radio. Twenty one minutes after eight, you are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on Curtin FM. We're heading straight out to Craigie. Good morning to Terry. How are you? Hi Terry. Hello ladies, how are you? Very well. good. Okay, I've got a couple of questions, or it's a two part question about a grass tree that I have in my front garden. Now I bought this house about twenty years ago. So this thing's grown about maybe two feet in that time. It's a beautiful big specimen. But I've never cut it back or I've never trimmed it. 
Are you still there? I can't hear yes, you. Yes, yes, we're listening. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. Um, so I've never cut it back or trimmed it. And um, I just want to know the pros and cons towards that because I noticed that when the council puts those things in the ground and they cut them right back to have like a crew cut, how long does it take to grow back into its former glory? And is it any better in that? And another part of the question is, some of them have those big spears shooting out of them. Mine doesn't even look like it's going to. Is that a male or female thing? Or <laughs> No, it's not. That's that's the grass tree flowering. Yeah, and, so. and they certainly will do that after a fire, but they will do it periodically. I've got dozens flowering through our bush at the moment. Oh, they're just amazing. Some of the flower spikes are three metres tall. It's just... Well, that's what I see. I like to go for little drives up to Yanchep and back on a nice afternoon when there's nothing happening, and I see them everywhere. Yes. And some of them have two or three shooting out of them, and they look great. Mine doesn't look like it, and yet it's quite big now. It's about, I don't know, eight foot tall, I suppose. Lovely. Not even looking like it. And what's the benefits in cutting them back? Uh, one. Well, are there uh... any benefits? Yes, I think so, because uh, from experience, if you've got a very old grass tree with a lot of older dead dead thatch underneath, it's a hidey yeah, hole is. for things that you might yeah. not want hiding. So if it's next to a pathway, uh, and they can also be a bushfire hazard. So in my case, yeah. I've been raking out the thatch that's underneath and cleaning them up, and the odd ones I'm actually taking two with a hedge trimmer, and just rounding them off. I don't take the tops off. I let that, that flush come through, but I clean yeah. up underneath back to the trunk if I can. Yeah, I thought and, so. And that's neatness. Um, it, is, it looks great, but uh, there is a lot of dead stuff underneath, and it's like a big hula dress that's wearing. Well, yeah. if you get a rake, a, an old-fashioned nail rake, you can get in there, and some of them... That has all come away, and it just pulls out really oh, easy. Okay. You probably get a wheelbarrow load oh. or two oh, it's out of it. Yeah, yes. It's like a big skirt, yeah. Yes, yeah. but wonderful things live in there too. I mean, snakes can potentially hide in there, but frogs will live in there, geckos, and all sorts of little bugs and... You know. I do. It's, it's huge and I quite like it. It's a feature in the place and it's, oh, yes. it's gotten really big mm. um, and I quite like it. I'm just wondering if I should tidy it up or leave it how it is in its a la natural state. It's up to you entirely. Some I leave in their totally natural state. Others I tidy up next to my car park. I clean out underneath because I don't want anything hiding there while I'm going to my car. Fair enough. Uh just one more question. I've got this huge ponytail in my backyard. Again, these things were there when I bought the home, so I'm thinking this guy's been there since the house was built because uh, it's taller than the house. Wow. So, yeah, oh, the base of it would be over five foot in diameter. It's a yeah. monster. It's lifted up the um, paving yeah. bricks and everything. It looks yeah. fantastic. It looks absolutely fantastic. How big do they grow? <laughs> I, I don't know. John, I'd say <laughs> we'll hand yeah, to pretty... you. Um, I'll I'll come back to that. Yes. Uh, you know, my brain doesn't access the internet quite quite as well as my computer does. I've, so I, <laughs> I have I seen know. a very large one at Lansdale Plants, but I don't think it's as big as what that, you're describing. Yeah. And I've seen another huge one on Elderberry Drive in Southlake. They they're spectacular looking plants. I'd just reshape the paving to suit it. Yeah. 
Well, I have. I've, I've actually had to break up the papers because it's cracked them all up. But the thing is, this is a, a it's a lovely specimen. Specimen, but when yes. Flowers, when the flowers, those big spiky, the three foot tall flowers, it's taller than the house. Yeah, it sounds like an amazing plant that you've it really inherited. Nice. Lucky you. Well, the house would have been built in 1970, and I mm. figure with the size of that uh, grass tree and this paint tile, they were first. Because I've been here 20 years, and uh, it's just a monster plant, oh. a monster tree. Thank you for sharing, Terry. Okay, thanks again, girls. Okay, take you. care. Okay. Cheers for that. Bye. If Bye. that gets much bigger, he'll be able to climb up and find a golden goose or something like that. <laughs> or put a treehouse in it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, with the grass tree, could those spent leaves be used as mulch? To... Uh, in anything kind of can be used as mulch. Um, How do they break down? Very, quite easily okay. if they're chopped up. Yes. A lot of things yeah. break down easily if they're chopped up. Exactly. But we, we prefer a chunky mulch. They might be better thrown into compost. I think compost to break right. down mm. that way. Yep. Mm. Um, yeah, they they look messy on the garden. Trust me, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> the strands can yeah. be three to four foot long, mm. and there's a lot of them. John Glidden, what a year it's been! Oh, I can't believe it's over. <laughs> Has it been twelve months? Or so? <laughs> it feels, in some ways, it's it's been. You know, a tough year again, and in other ways, it's gone very quickly. I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah, we're at the pointy end. As usual, fascinating year. Yeah, amazing questions, uh, emails. Yeah, are getting better. I'm sure the people out there, their photography skills are improving. improving. But probably the cameras getting better. <laughs> the, the phones getting better. Um, yeah, we've had. Almost as many as last year, which is a surprise because last year was lockdown. Mm. People were trapped. Yeah, 505 as of this morning. <sighs> Emails. Emails. Oh, my this goodness. Year, oh, my goodness. Uh, which is more than 2014, 15 and 16 combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness Goes to show me. that how things mm. are, are changing. And now Wayne from Willerton called in and he says he has the same problem with his roses, beautiful spring flush and now looking very sad. And so we automatically think, uh-oh, but we don't want to jump to conclusions. Tell the listeners where they can access the podcast about uh, Chili Thrip, if in fact this is what's going on out there. Yeah, uh, well... Was earlier this year, I compiled a lot of questions yeah. and answers about the and put it into a podcast. You can go to the Curtin FM website. Yep. Go to programs on the front on, page. On the front page, select Let's Talk Gardening. You may yeah. have to scroll through. Yeah. But uh, it, it is there. And uh, on, on the subject of podcast, uh, today will be our one hundred and first podcast. That's available to listen to. Oh, yeah, who? Of, of which one is the chili threat one. So that's 100 programs. Wow. Well, lots of vital information in there, but there uh, I just have to find a way of uh, helping people find what's there, which shows, and that sort of thing mm. uh, has been difficult to because there's nothing on the website that lets you access it. You can't see what's on there. So maybe something different for next year, some mm. different way of doing it. That would be that would Watch be fabulous. This space. Watch this space, definitely. Now we've got lots of emails to plough through. Um, we'll talk about Christmas presents, what you'd like for Christmas. Our <laughs> last tips for 2021 in the garden. Uh, yeah, 
lots of lots of mm. ideas. I've I went out. I was whinging about not having hoses. <laughs> I went out and bought myself my hoses for Christmas. My oh. Christmas present is done. Well Two done. U Butte mm. Ripper hoses. Well, so we talked about this twelve months ago. Yeah. We did. And I had and to go and get it myself. No took one took up res- the hint. No one took up well, the hint. Good no on one you. responded and um yeah, that's it. I just have to do what I need to do to please Ray. And uh, <laughs> and my other thing I'd like is some new worm farms. What happened to your old no, worm? No, no, they're farms? there. I just oh. wanna I just wanna upgrade. I, I have one you can have. That has never had worms and I never got around to doing because I really, oh, really? I really don't have anywhere to keep it. And oh, your garage. Not room, not room in the garage. It would be too hot in the Why, little tiny what's shed. what's in there? The car mainly. Well, we've got know. two cars in our garage and, and, and minus John, one. Uh, Ray, don't make him change his mind. He's okay, offered you he's a worm offered to be a free worm farm. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly you don't have time, John. That's okay. Yeah, oh, I know I, where I, you live. N- never been into pets. <laughs> oh, I love my pets. And, and, of course, worm farms are a great way of being more sustainable. Really are. Really and using is, those worm, worm castings in your potting mix or in the garden to help save water. I, I like to think about being more sustainable at this time of year. Well, it's a bit hard coming into Christmas, isn't it? Mm. But, you know, thinking about New Year's resolutions and one of my favourite sayings is use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Yes. So I'm going to pull that out again. You're going to wheel that one out again? I am. <laughs> and just and drill down, Ray, and see where I can tweak things, how I can do it better. And going forward, one of the things I would really like is ideally a ride-on vacuum mulcher. So that instead a ride of... Walk, on. A ride-on. Because... My biggest problem in summer is the falling leaves and bark. Yes. And I blow back the driveway yes. and all the dry leaves yeah. go to the side. Yeah. It looks messy. And yeah. at the end of the season, I start raking them all up and get yeah. ready to burn them. Yeah. But if I could vacuum them up and have them mulched, I could put that into one of my recycling bays, layer it with green waste, turn it over and turn it into mulch mm. or compost or mm. then put it in the worm farm. Because you're on a property. Does such a machine exist, obviously? Well, there are push ones uh, mm. and there are handheld ones. But mm. but because one of the things that I do like to do to feel like I'm doing something is get on the ride on mower and, and mow the lawn or, or mow down the grass in the, well, the weeds in the bush or towards mm. the bush. Mm. And I can do that on a hot day because it's not labour intensive and it makes a world of difference. So if I had a ride-on thingy-doovy, then I could use those leaves and it's it's a pipe dream. Is Eddie listening? I don't know. Mm. And failing that, little clippers, like new sharp ones to make the little mounds because I've heard that clipping is in. It's one of the new trends. So Mm -hmm. if you've got shrubs out there... Uh, I went round yesterday with a hedger and just zoop, over a few things. Just made them looks, a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah, well, I bought myself a Christmas present, sort of. Quite it's right. It's a grafting kit. Oh, wow. And I thought for anybody living in a smaller property and, for example, wants an apple tree, if your friends have one, find out what a pollinator is for that tree 
get one of those, plant it, and then ask for a cutting off their tree, <laughs> graft it on, and you get two apples that will pollinate each other on the one tree. Oh, so are you looking for root stock or are you uh, looking for like seed grown avocados to take this even further? Uh, well, at the moment, I'm, I just want to uh, try it on roses and see. I was given two Indian summer roses. One thrived, one died, but the root stock for the one that died is going great guns. So ah. I thought, you know, gra graft it back on and see if that works. And, you know, may, maybe a couple of other rose varieties as well and have a multicoloured bush. Haha, uh -huh, watch this space. <laughs> All right, let's head to Mandra. We're saying good morning to Maureen. Hi. Oh, hi, guys. Um, I have a, a problem. I'm looking at getting my um, slabs at the back sprayed, but I've got a problem with a few of the slabs because of roots and I'm, they have to be leveled. I'm just wondering how I've got an ornamental grapevine which has been up there for probably 10 years. It's pretty gnarled um, branches and everything is really quite huge and thick. How far back can I cut those roots so I can get the slabs to lay flat because mm. it's pretty dangerous actually. So without killing well oh, i i'm not 100% sure on this one maureen but i suspect like in bonsai when you cut back you can if you yeah. were to cut back the top as well that would be a help i would also uh, give it a seaweed concentrate diluted first before and after and i'm sure yeah. that you'll find that the roots will regrow there may be some setback to the vine, but I don't think you'd you'd um, kill it. Would it be worth putting a barrier in once it's cut back uh, once to stop it's it happening done. again? Yeah. Mm. How yep. so? It's taken ten oh. years to do that. Probably, yeah, yeah. It's sort of um, so the barrier would be might down underground because the, I mean the surface has to be smooth to be sprayed. Um, so how far? is the trunk from the slabs? Oh, where it's moved, the, the slabs have moved around about a couple of, um, oh, a couple of feet, about one foot. Oh, okay, so kind of planted right next door. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, and going forward, will you do anything else to to stop this happening again? I don't know about, you know, as, are you up for any ideas on how I could stop that? I mean, um, you know, if, if it's concrete, I mean, the slabs are obviously um, easy, movable from underneath. So yes. if it's got like a concrete limestone sort of um, setting, it might take off. I've got plenty of backing onto lawn and garden beds, so I'm sure it will sort of take off the other way if it's going to release resistance, I suppose. Mm, um, Maureen, I I would probably consider getting someone out to have a have a look at what you've got and give you advice. Yeah. Sometimes we unknowingly plant something in the wrong place, and yeah. that this may be a problem going forward. So someone might look at that and say, "Well, it it just is in the wrong place. Let's move it and be done with it. Like do yeah. it right." Yeah. 
Um, Basically, a shade over half my garden. So that you know, and it's it's, it's massive. It'd probably be about five meters by uh, four meters square that it's covering. Um, yeah. Well, it's probably a good investment to get someone out to give you an idea of what you can do. Okay. Good. Good luck, and let us know. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thanks, Maureen. Cheers for that. Yeah. These, these things don't happen in isolation, do they? Like, no. you know, we we just don't know everything. Um, when I wander around my garden, I see mistakes like everywhere. Yeah. And part of what I think about now is, okay, well, let's plan for the next 20 years. If that tree's in the wrong place, do we keep just cutting a branch off here and there mm. or do we deal with it yeah. and make it right? Yeah. And then there'll probably be other issues that come up Around after that. that. But, yeah. you know, we, we can't know everything. It's a and, constant. And mm. as home gardeners, you know, sometimes it pays to get some professional advice For sure. to make the right decisions. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes, yes. I shouldn't have planted my native lime tree quite as close to the clothesline as I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wouldn't we, we live love... and learn, John? <laughs> wouldn't we love to hear what some of the worst mistakes are? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's a plenty, as you say, including in our own our own mm. yards. Would you like to do a couple of emails, or shall That's... I go to a little break and? Okay, and then we'll come back okay, to the emails let's afterwards. Let's do that. Radio. Don't worry, we are here. <laughs> we get actually talking about our own gardens, weren't we, Faye? We and, were. Uh, deep in conversation, don't worry about us, we're fine. It's the end of the year <laughs> and we're all mellow today. Let's head to Clarkson. Good morning, Dee. Good morning. Uh, I purchased my house in August and I've inherited a garden and I believe what I've inherited amongst this garden is a lemon tree. Wow, great. Now, it looks really pathetic. Um, uh, and it, the, everything was yellow and somebody had hacked all the branches off it. However, I've been giving it citrus, uh, slow-release fertiliser, and slowly but surely it's greening up and it's growing a bit and I'm wondering if there's anything I can do to give it a new lease on life. It sounds like you already have, Dee. Uh, the, the the only other thing uh, that you could do, give it mulch around the root zone, keep the water up to it over summer. And yes. <laughs> when the weather cools, so not in summer, give the tree a cutback. So cut out, you could even cut out any dead, dying, diseased wood now, but you could cut it back harder when the weather cools. Okay. Not okay. now because they can get sunburn. Right, okay. So my neighbour's theory, which is plant a fish head under it, <laughs> does that have any merit? Absolutely, especially in Yanship where they're, oh, not, Clarkson. Yeah, Clarkson, up up the coast. Um, yes, well. Fish emulsion, why not? Excellent. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, Excellent. okay. But, it, but when you are digging, remember they have shallow roots, so that's why you need the mulch to keep the root zone cool and don't interfere with their roots too close to the trunk. So out at the edge of the tree or the drip zone is where you can plant your fish head. 
Okay, okay. So this tree, along with the rest of the garden, has got a multitude of white stones all over it. Oh. I know. <laughs> anyway, bit by bit, they're going, they're, they're leaving the property. Yes. Uh, and so I've taken them all away from around the bottom of the tree, and I've actually put some good soil that I found um, that I've got actually, and I and I put that all around the base of the tree, and I have been watering it, so it sounds like I'm doing all right. You are well done. Well, that was a fluke, wasn't it? <laughs> so it sounds more like you're in danger of killing it with kindness. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that uh, seems to stop me is that the strelitzia that's also there in the backyard, the the you know the branches on it, they're all collapsing falling over. Oh, Dee, this might be another one of those cases. Uh, Strelitzias are notoriously difficult to to deal with. Mm. Uh, yes. You could have them, like, cut off at ground level and let them regrow. Or yes. if you don't love it, you could have it dug up. Right, okay, yes. Well, I mean, um, I wouldn't. I don't mind it, but I wouldn't say I was in love with it. Um, uh, and okay, so what 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 seems to cause that if the uh, branches are all collapsing? Mm. Uh, I, I'm not sure how big your plant is. I'm not sure if there's a lot of dead stuff in there. Uh, it's easy to want to neglect them because they're difficult to get in and clean up, but it it may need that. It needs invigorating, yeah. Mm. Mm. Right, okay, all right. Well, I can get in amongst it. It's not It's not that bad, and I have cut quite a few bits and pieces out of it. Um, and I did Google to see if that could tell me anything, and it told me a whole lot of things that I don't quite get, like uh, the rot of the bulb um, along with other things. And... If it's compacted, there could be stuff going on in the centre. That's why yeah. I kind of like the idea of just oh. cutting it to ground level and yes. you that will encourage the new new growth and you'll have a neater-looking plant. And see what happens. Yep, that's well, what you I do, Dee. That's a really good, a really good uh, suggestion. A friend of mine once told me many years ago, if you don't know what to do about anything, just wait. Oh, I like that. Yes. Wait, because eventually, eventually the answer will, will come present to itself. It will present itself to you. And this is, he said, this is around everything. You know, people, kids, the garden, the dog, yes. everything. Life in general. Yes. Have a Merry Christmas, Dee, and thank you for yes, your call. Thank you thank very you, much. Love. Bye Cheers bye. for that. Bye. bye. I love those words of wisdom. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I may quote that in times to come. You may hear me I've saying that on the show every today. week. Oh, uh, have uh, you? Yes, I like this one. Most gardeners are daunted, not dumb. Oh. We well. are daunted most mm. of the time. I walk around daunted mm. in my garden quite regularly. Most gardeners are daunted, not dumb. If, so if it's talking about around, the if, challenge. If that's walking around with a blank expression <laughs> saying, what do I do now? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, we're daunting. <laughs> Gardening can be quite daunting, unless you're Very a guru much. like you, Fokara. Where do I start is what I say very often. Where do I start? And, and so then I just wander, and then mm. any of the things I had on my list probably don't get done 
but 10 other things might. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, quite right. Now, would you like to crack through a couple of emails or you have a response about the ponytail, Yes, Tom? yeah, for Terry. Um, uh, basically, it said that normally in a garden, it will grow to about 10 feet. But, 10 feet. But they can grow to 30 or 10 metres. 10 metres so, sounds like it, yeah. So, so wow. um, it's not a, your typical garden variety, Terry. I, no. <laughs> and mm, yeah, I wonder where they actually come from because in their natural environment, uh, I guess it's an arid region rather than a tropical zone. Like I don't think it would be an understory plant. I think with the, the way the base holds and conserves moisture... Mm. Mm. Interesting. I'm surprised at how many cartoons and jokes really apply to people like me. I saw one which was, I managed to kill a cactus. That means I'm less nurturing than the desert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I thought that was good, John. And Bruce from Joondalup phoned in and he says, every day is a school day when you are gardening. Oh, isn't that great? It is. Oh, lots of words of wisdom today. Now, we've got... Another email from Karen of Queen's Park, and she sent in a photo of a beautiful Cycus revoluta, which the the outer front leaves have just turned yellow. So, Karen, I'm I'm not sure if it's due to sun. Um, these look like older leaves, but I can't see around the back if it's all the older leaves. And and as plants grow particularly with the hot weather we had this week, a lot of plants will show yellow leaves and they will drop. Hibiscus Mm. can do that. Uh, The hibiscus tiliasis is certainly doing that, I noticed, in my garden. But she did say that this plant has been in a pot for a few years Mm. and I think probably the case is that it's time to get it either into a bigger pot or in the ground. They do just run out of warmth. And if it didn't have enough water to compensate for this really hot weather, this is showing in the leaves. So I I don't think fertiliser is going to green these leaves up. The good news is they're mostly the lower leaves, so cut them away. You will probably get a new flush soon because that's what cycads will be preparing to do. But, yeah, time to think about potting it on and that goes for a lot of plants and they like a bit of magnesium too the cycads uh manganese i think it is but once again a controlled release fertilizer so they have Mm. everything and Mm. that's why we use a good quality potting mix because Mm. it's a good start so what are their roots like can they be pot bound and they they can be but they a pot like that can't hold on to the moisture so Mm. If it was getting watered twice a week, it might be fine. Uh, it, they're very hardy, so they will live, but they won't thrive. If you look at John Banner Savage's garden, and you will be able to on Gardening Australia next yes, year, yes, how his, his plants aren't wanting for everything. They are getting the best of everything. They, they're potted on when they need to be potted on. The specimen plants are in good-sized pots. They probably haven't been there for years, or if they have, they're added to, they're given the food and the water they need, so they're not left wanting. Mm. Um, And so that's the message. This plant wants a bit more, and one of the easiest things to do is give it a bit extra. Their roots are colloroid, so they're round the top. So 
you need to be very careful about that. And the base is quite compact. Okay. Gotcha. Short break, guys. Kitten Radio. And the nine o'clock news will be coming up very soon. And at 10 o'clock, Jim Crinan with the classic 60s, followed by Brendan T at 12 noon with uh, Country. Okay, let's head to Canning Vale. Good morning, Cathy. Oh, good morning. I just had a question about I've got frangipanis um, out the back. Um, and last year, I didn't get any flowers on them. I wonder if you had any ideas about that. Hmm. Okay. How old are the frangipanis, Kathy? Um, there's a mixture. I've got a couple in there that are branches of friends of mine that have been in there for a, a couple of years, and the others are, you know, bought from nurseries and so on. And they're they're uh, probably there um, two years as well. Okay. And how much sun are they getting? Um. Yeah, plenty, plenty, yeah. More than six hours? Uh, Yeah, definitely, Okay, all right. Uh, At this time of year, you could certainly give them NPK. I know that's what a lot of frangipani uh, growers will use and that, that should help you with some quick results. But I would also add at the beginning of the growing season some complete fertilizer designed for flowering and fruiting plants because that, gives the plants everything they need to actually produce flowers. Okay, so can I give that to them now? Yes, certainly. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. And the other one is NPK. Yes. I so that one the, the slow release one I find easy to use because I can go around the whole garden with the bucket, just yeah. about everything gets it, yeah. and I know at least everything's done quite easily. Um, okay. You know, and of course, mulch. I always say mulch. Uh, you can add yeah, compost. Yep. Yep. So that okay. that should help. All right. So um, NPK and a fertilizer. Or, at uh, at different times. Uh, okay. All right. Did you mention the variety of um, frangi, Kathy? There was a few different yeah. ones. Oh, different. Mm. Okay. Yeah, there's yellow and fruit salad and um, oh, yeah. a few different colours, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hoping some of them haven't given me any flowers yet. <laughs> oh, you'll get a surprise then. Oh, good. All right. And <laughs> which one first, the NPK or the fertiliser? Yeah, actually, if you give give the NPK now and then perhaps in a month and just a little bit and then maybe in a month, Use the slow-release fertiliser and that'll take you through then. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. Okay. Good luck. Thanks, Cathy. Thank you. Bye. Okay. And moving right along with the emails, we've received another one from Karen. And, you know, we were talking a bit earlier about mistakes that that we can make in our garden. This is uh, a photo. She's having problems with a jasmine that is just eaten. They're... There potentially could be grasshoppers, but this is a plant that is affected by caterpillars generally on an annual basis, and it it can be quite messy. I mean, what I would do if this was mine is just give it a good cut back. You'll probably find some little moths flying out, 
and then the regrowth will be fine until it happens next year. So it's not one I would let run rampant in in my garden. And if you've got a jungly garden, don't let it go up into a tree because it just gets messy and and harder to deal with. So that's mm. one plant I you I actually remove. Yeah, I just we get this question all the time and I've seen it myself. It's very disappointing to have a have a plant that looks so terrible on an annual basis. Yeah, quite right. Mm. Yeah. Life's too short. <laughs> it is. So shall I keep going? Yeah, yeah, we've got a couple of minutes to before the nine o'clock news, so Okay. Deb has sent in a photo. Uh, it's a bit like, where's Wally? My walk around the river was stunning yesterday, only made more special when coming back towards South Perth, not far from the causeway, spotted these lovely scavola. And there was a, was there a blue banded bee in that, yep. John? Yes. Yep. And what a, a plethora yep. of blue banded bees we've seen. Yes. They've been buzzing around my patio yes. one came in the doorway yesterday when I opened it up and then went out again. I watched her go into a little hole in the ground. But then she didn't come back after I stalked her for hours. She knew. <laughs> she knew she was being stalked. As I say, went to uh, Derek's funeral on yeah. Wednesday. Uh, it was a lovely service. It really was. But uh, one of our ex-workmates, he had put in a request to wear something colourful. And uh, Michelle turned up in this very flowery sort of, and a blue banded bee came and checked her out. <gasps> oh, <laughs> isn't that? See whether she was worthwhile. It, she didn't that is hilarious. see it. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did she think you were looking at her, John? Oh, well, well, I'd already picked a mosquito off him. So. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it was just a wonderful sight. It just came, had a look, thought they're not real, and took off again. Oh, <laughs> amazing! amazing There've been so many around, and it's, and it's a good sign, isn't it? Well, very yes, good sign. Very, very interesting. All right, now it is time to go to the news. Coming up just after the news, we'll be chatting to Eva Ricci from the WA Turf Industry and also Tim Westcott, Vice President of the Australian Drilling Industry Association. We are touching on water bore usage and proposed changes there. Okay, back in a moment. Partly cloudy today, heading for a maximum of 25, currently 21.2 degrees. And tomorrow, it will be mostly sunny with a maximum of 27. And on Monday, sunny with a maximum of 28. Now, during the week, we received an email. A shout out to Bobby Kidd. You're not well, young lady. And I know you've won recently won a Bigger Trees prize. Hope you get to spend that soon. But Bobby, uh, yeah, we, we all here at Curtin FM are wishing you a very speedy recovery from uh, everyone at Curtin FM and in particular the garden team and a lot of love and hugs to you and all the kisses in the world to get through the coming months. So something tough going on there, young lady. And this is uh, from Mon and Jean and Zav and all of us here at Curtin FM. Get well, Bobby, get through the next month and come out the other side and uh, keep listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Take care. Lovely, Bray. And I'd like to give a little shout-out to the crowd down at the East Frio Footy Club yes. that I spent last night dancing the night away with, uh, the the wonderful Mario Rotondella and Michael Barbaro performed and they had guest entertainers up on stage singing. Rod Grilicic gave us a big shout-out, all the details of our garden program. And I've, I... I 
uh, took on a few garden questions there last night, as, as you I do. always do. <laughs> but, yeah, love, lovely crowd. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. The lovely Cynthia, I don't know if I should say her age, but she's between 90 and 100, and she was up on the dance floor, as were many you of go, the others girl. in their 80s. Yeah, yeah. And it was the first time, one of the first times I went, there and we got up and danced to Rain Wayne Pride. Kerry Beach had told me about this wonderful place, and Ivy came up to me before she left. She listens to the garden program, and she said, "Oh, I wish I could get up. Wish I was younger and I could get up there like you." On the floor, yeah. And I tell you what, I reckon she's danced every night I've been there. So <laughs> good on them, and you know, it. Yeah. Who cares? Like. We're in our own world when we're dancing away to the wonderful music and happy Christmas to to everyone. It's been a great, fun place to go. Yeah, no, it sounds it very, very much so. And I have another weekend forecast for you. Ooh. Gardening with no chance of house cleaning or cooking. (laughs) Do you like that? Sunny with the chance of wine. (laughs) It's a bit naughty. Mm. Okay, now let me see. We've got... Bear with me, guys, because we're going to try and alternate between two chats here and I may inadvertently lose one. Uh, Bear with me. We'll see what we can do. But uh, initially, we will start off with Eva from the WA Turf Industry and then we will put Eva on hold so that Tim can have a bit of a chat. And I'm pleased that this actually works. Okay, Eva, good morning. Morning, Ray. Morning, Faye. How are you? Hi, good. How are you doing, Eva? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Oh, really yeah. well. Good, yeah. good. It's lovely to talk to you again. Uh, we know that you are a passionate advocate for Green Space Alliance. Absolutely. <laughs> and and what that means is um, encouraging people to have green spaces for, for many different reasons. So, Eva, tell us about you and your role. Yes. Okay. Um, look, I'm employed as the executive officer for the WA turf industry. That means that I work for two not-for-profit associations, one being the Turf Growers Association in WA, and the other is the Sports Turf Association WA. So both entities um, grow turf, okay? So um, the growers obviously produce it, and then it goes out into community, and I work for the guys that um, maintain and sustain your public open spaces, the school um, you know, areas of turf, um, you know, every ovals, that sort of thing. So, yep, work for those for those guys as a combined entity, um, mm. a very uh, community conscious group of of of, um, of people. You know, like both associations have a great community conscience. Absolutely. Now, Eva, we've got you here today to introduce our listeners to some proposed changes so perhaps you could talk about the media release that came out late last month yes so uh last month the minister for water um you know released this media release that basically um proposes that bore water uh irrigations would drop to two days a week as of september 2022 um and the proposal came out without any industry consultation. We usually have consultation before this happens. Mm. So it was a bit of a surprise to us. We were called to meet with the minister um, and had it all explained to us, but we've got further uh, situations happening at the moment. We're having some presentations next Tuesday, actually, at Dumas House from both Department of Water and Water Corporation. Um, 
But essentially, and this is my take on it, essentially, um, it's, it's, it seems to me to be a bit of a, a parody situation where scheme, waters use, scheme water users have two days a week watering for the past 20 years. So this is basically what the, you know, the minister's message was. So it's now time for bore water users to also move to two days per week in order to be fair to everyone. Um, water use scheduling is confusing for many people. It needs to be clear and easily understood. And it would be better if everyone is on two days a week. Um, and it must be the same for all householders across the metropolitan area in order to be fair, even though the Nangara plan, which is the major area of concern in the metropolitan area at the moment, is only is the north, and that's the north of the river um, uh, groundwater supply for public open space, that sort of thing. Um, that that's a you know that's a d- different kettle fish where they have to save about thirty gigabytes, uh, sorry gigalitres, not gigabytes. We're talking computer language now um, of water, but this seems to be like a, an equity process, and a, mm. which is which is wonderful. Okay, and it's very socialistic and all that sort of thing. But mm. is it is it really going to work when you think about how dry our city is, our sandy plains, the you know the the we're not the eastern states. We don't have summer rainfall. Um, we don't have that heavy clay, cloggy, loamy yeah. soil. Yeah. You know, we've got we've got water that runs literally straight through the sand back into the aquifers, the shallow aquifers, and then obviously further down if we can direct it that way. Obviously, um, yeah. So this is it's it's an interesting one to me that we'd be going we'd be kind of attacking this from an equity. Um, angle perspective yeah and, you know if we and if we're going to do that and and please I, there's no negativity here I, no I'm no commonsensical with this okay so if you want to talk about equity well then what about we say okay then you know what people who have got a pool you might have to empty your pool mm. all right because it's not fair that you've got a pool and your neighbor hasn't mm. yeah where does it end yeah that's right. If you mm. really want to talk equity, let's think about this mm. sensibly. Mm. And, um, you know, we know that there's plenty of areas in Perth where the groundwater is not far below the surface. In some places, it seeps out of the surface. So, you know, I remember 10 years ago, the Department of Water saying, basically encouraging um, bore water installations yes. to level out the, the um, you know, the, the superficial aquifers. So it's, it's really quite an interesting scenario so, so, Eva, what do you see as the ramifications of this if this were to get legislation? Look, you know, I, I, what worries me, I, I have specifically driven around many suburbs over the past few weeks since this has happened. Mm. And I don't know about you girls, all right, but when you're driving around Perth and Peel, how many beautiful green gardens do you see? All right? Mm. I have to tell you, if I was to run, and I'm going to do it, I'm going to drive around with a video camera running at the front of my car. Mm. There are street after street after street of dead and dying yeah. lawns and gardens. Yeah, they agreed. are not. They they do not help mitigate urban heat island. All right, number one, we've got street after street of synthetic turf. Which absolutely, is in my burp. Yeah, absolutely, exacerbating the heat island effect. <clears throat> yeah, it's actually appalling, creating dead earth. Yeah, um, having plastics, microplastics, go into the waterways and into. The oceans. We're banning plastic, but we've got this stuff going, being yep. laid like a carpet across the. Yep. You know, it just disgusts me, to be honest. Yeah. So I, I don't can't see. We know that trees are dying from rising t- um, ground temperatures. So I know in Fremantle, some some of the older donors' trees are dying, and you can't replace hundred, two hundred year old trees. 
And it's because the ground temperatures are not cool enough for them to sustain. You can't even replace the plant with a like plant and, and expect to recoup those, you know, heat island mitigation benefits. So there's a, there's a story to be said for keeping the ground, you know, the carpet under the canopy, which is the turf, right? Um, it doesn't, we don't have tropical, you know, rainforesty gardens here. The minister did say to us the other day, there's, you know, no more tropical rainforests in, in Perth. Now, no more tropical gardens. Well, I have to wonder where the hell they are. Well, yeah. I can't but, see any. but Eva, I can tell you the tropical style or tropical looking gardens that I know of aren't heavy, heavy water, water users. users. No, they not. survive on two days a week. Gary mm. Pike's Palm Garden is an award winning garden watered on two days a week, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, I agree with you, Faye, because, you know, we know that we build these little mini forests in our own backyards, okay? We, we, we're sequestering carbon, you know, you're creating a cooler environment, less draw on energy, you know, whether it's air conditioners or whatever, okay? So we're actually doing the, the, the planet a favour by creating a, a healthy, you know, um, water-wise garden. It can be yes, water-wise yes. without being, um, you know, indigenous water-wise plants that don't expire. Plants that expire do it. Do the, the environment a great favour, biodiversity, all the insects, you know, little little miniature reptiles, creatures, um, you know, bandicoots, possums, you name it, right? There's, a, there's all these little micro-environments that can be created. And like you, it's how you plant and how you water, okay? Yes. And it's whether, you know, we... I don't think it's the gardeners that should be bearing the brunt of this. I think if I, if I was going to point a finger at anyone, I'd be pointing the finger at... Uh, developers, all right, at the moment, because developing in areas where there is no groundwater for starters, the greed for land, you know, tiny little blocks, house upon house upon house, synthetic front verges, can't get a lawnmower through the back or can't get any equipment through to the backyard, so they have either a paved or a plastic backyard as well. I I think that greed, the love of money has gone mad, and I don't think the love of of the planet Matches our love for money. There you go. Yeah, good e- on you. Eva, well said. you are a great advocate yeah. for the zoo beneath our feet, mm. and you've Absolutely. introduced uh, introduced me to um, the vice president of the Australian drilling industry, Tim Westcott, who we also have online. So perhaps we'll cross to Tim now and have a chat with him. Lovely, lovely, Go, lovely. Going to put you on hold. I hope I don't lose you, Eva. Bear with us. That's all right, Ray. Go Thank for it. Thank you. All right. Now, hopefully that has worked. I don't know if I have or I haven't. Let's just see what happens here. Okay, Tim, are you there? I'm, I'm here. Morning, ladies. Okay. Good Yoo-hoo. morning. Thank you for joining us. Tim, could you please tell us what your role is? So I'm uh, the Vice President of the Australian Drilling Industry Association, um, which is an Australian-based association that covers all types of drilling contractors from waterbore drillers in Perth to blast hole contractors to you name what sort of drilling we do. We're an association forum. Um, My particular role in WA, I sit on the Adjudication Committee and licensed waterbore drillers. So we have a system where drillers are licensed in Western Australia. They're actually licensed all around Australia, but each state has their own licensing conditions. And we work hand-in-hand with the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation 
and uh, make sure that all our drawers are doing the right thing and mm. putting uh, fit-for-purpose bores on the ground. So and, can you tell us what the catalyst was for these proposed changes? Look, we, we got hit pretty, without no notice, the same as he was just explained. It was Friday afternoon, the 19th, we were invited to a meeting with the Minister saying they're going to release something on mm. So we got, you know, a couple of hours notice. I went to a meeting and I was in the meeting with Eva and we had, a, you know, an hour's discussion and that was it. So we're still um, reviewing, having a look and consulting with our members and, you know, so I haven't got too much more to say on it at the moment. Until we, we need to do a bit more work on it. But, yes. Um, so probably probably call me back after Christmas when I've got a bit more feedback from our members. But what I can say, we, we've probably got, we've got over 300 licensed West, uh, drillers in West Australia, of which I would suggest there's a dozen or so that predominantly do domestic water bores in Perth. Or when I say drill, they might drill and maintain. So it is quite a large industry with a lot of employees and there's a lot of suppliers which I'm still getting feedback from um, so it will be a big hit to our yeah. industry yeah. So, and um, as I say we still need to do a bit more homework on it so as I say we're a bit gobsmacked that we, only, we had no consultation and just very know, blindsided by it all mm. well it is, we're all busy you know and it's the timing mm. of it pretty good, you know, a month before Christmas and uh, yeah. making, so, you know, so th- this announcement has come from Dewa but you've also when we spoke yesterday mentioned about Watercorp's role in managing water. Well Watercorp actually do a pretty good job in doing it and um, obviously they are the biggest user in West Australia of groundwater um, so look I've got no issue with either of those departments and they actually both do a good job but um, I don't know how much consultation's been done with it, with them to each other as well because uh, I hear different stories. But as I say, we, I'm still in the midst of uh, finding out what what's going on with both. So I mm. actually met with the department last week. We we consult with them all the time, obviously, because we are in partnership with them, licensing drillers to make sure that our drillers are doing the right thing. You know, so for sure. Well, I certainly appreciate your time today. And, and next year, we hope to kick off our first show of the year talking or starting with the alphabet from A to Z. And we're going to start with aquifers, aquifers. and understand yeah. more about water. Uh, you mentioned to me yesterday that you drill bores down as deep as a kilometre. Yeah. So I'm keen to understand more about that. Now, I know we have to go to a break, yeah. but... We, we might go to the break and then just quickly finish off with what can our listeners do because right, I understand. So we go back to Eva? Yes, but we need to also have a break. Yeah, okay, yeah. So... so we can let you go now, Tim. Um, All right. And no we will talk to you next year. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, okay. Steve, very much, Tim. Cheers for that. Okay. Curtain Radio. 23 minutes after nine, you're listening to Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. It's our last show for the year and we will be returning on the 15th of January. Now, we still have the gorgeous Eva Ricci online uh, from the WA Turf industry. And Eva, I think we had quite a lot of success there. You were able to listen to Tim uh, after your chat. And now we've come back to you. Yeah, to finish finish it off. And and I... 
guess the the thing here is Eva that we we're letting our listeners know what's going on behind the background. Yes. Um, and also, we'd like to know what is industry doing uh, to sure. to um, and what can our listeners uh, what can we all do about it? Mm. Okay. All right. There's a there's a very look. There's a great link um, where where listeners because we all know how you know unfortunately. People have get, get fired up and then they forget about things or they yeah. get fired up and they think, oh, it's going to take too long. There is a very brief survey online that can be completed. And I, I think it's a matter of minutes, literally, to complete that. But on behalf of community, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other entities, including local government authorities, etc., cetera, um, the Garden Industry Alliance is basically loosely what we're calling ourselves at the moment. Mm. Um, well, you know, we want to work with government to meet the required bore water savings, okay? So, you know, people do overuse their bore water. There's no two, two ways about it. So education has to come into, um, you know, into the, to be factored in, if you like. So, um, so we, we, can, we, we don't believe, though, that significantly altering our landscape, in, you know, for those areas where they can sustain, you know, green space that's effective and working for heat mitigation for, you know, all the climate change um, uh, issues, but also importantly, and interestingly, because a, a caller called in while you guys were talking to Tim, and she just wanted to express, and this is something that I've actually experienced myself. She suffers depression and anxiety, and mindfulness in gardening, as you guys know better than anyone, yes, um, is extremely important to people who who are either suffering from you know mental health challenges or even just health challenges, you know. Mm. So I have a health challenge at the moment. And what keeps me sane right now is that time gardening where I can only think about what I'm doing yeah. in that garden, all yep. right? Yep. Okay, so I have to tell you that's a um, very important thing. So, so we, will, we, will go, we will join with, you know, nursery, landscape, um, irrigation, drilling, obviously turf, and we're going to build a position statement that will be presented directly to the minister's office um, People can respond to this by the end of February. As Tim said, typically it comes out at Christmas time. I don't know why they do this, but they do it every time. Yeah. So it's when they think, oh, look, hey, I'm assuming that people are, you know, haven't got the time to think, all right, or to action. But we have, we've got an extension now and we'll be responding by the end of March. And we will be talking about all those factors that are really important. So fit for, fit for purpose water, you know, what's going to be the impact on scheme water. If people can't, um, if, they, if they can't use their bore as they have been using it, will they maintain the infrastructure for starters? Will they bother even doing that? Or will they switch over and we have more scheme water being put on, on yeah. gardens? Which, yeah. you know, to me, is just so irresponsibly wrong. Yeah. Um, what are we going to do with stormwater that can be you know, put, put back into the aquifers? All of that sort of thing. So we saw this year the amount of groundwater that was sitting above, you know, coffee rock areas or limestone rock areas that doesn't penetrate down into the, to the, it slowly does, but it doesn't penetrate as quickly as it should and often ends up in storm waterways into rivers and out into the ocean again. Mm. So <clears throat> can we get that water back into the ground? Yeah. Tim knows he, they've done some test boards. They know that they can. Um, and it can, and, the, and nature's a wonderful thing. It can clean that many pollutants, it's ridiculous. So we are, you know, we've got plenty of options. There's grey water, there's, you know, third pipes that should be in, um, in areas, shared bores. Uh, you know, there's lots and lots yes. of ideas that we yes. can work with. So this, um, uh, this link for, the, if people would like to have their say, they can have their say anonymously. Where do they go yes. for that? 
It is at, oh gosh, I just had oh, it. Oh, I've got it here. Is that Dwer? Have you got it? Yes, yes. It's, it's, a, it's on the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation yeah. website. And it's um, aligning domestic garden bore sprinkler roster with the scheme water roster. And I went on yesterday to complete it. There's, yep. yes, it does only take minutes. It'll take as long as the reply that you want to give in writing. Yeah, I so will be putting in a lengthy response covering all the things that I know mm. it it affects right. the horticulture industry, mental mm. health. I mean, last year we saw this huge swing to gardening and I, I know what you COVID, mean about... COVID, day. COVID yes. has made people so conscious of being safe in their home and you don't want to sit inside brick, you know, like a brick building and do nothing. Mm. Gardens became really important and COVID mm. is not going away in a hurry. No, absolutely not. We can, so, however, all do a little bit better. And yeah, of course, of course. And that's what we should work towards. But, yes, we're, we can all put our two cents worth in on Absolutely. this issue. Eva, can I say one last thing, love, before yep, you sure. go? Just what I do want to highlight, and I hope there's somebody from government is listening to this, okay? And say you know, because you're affected by this, I have always, we had never had, scheme water until recently. I've lived my whole life without scheme water, okay? I know how to conserve water better than anybody else on this planet. So this, in the outskirt communities and, and on the peripheral of Perth are high bushfire risk zones. Those people rely on bore water or rainwater as their only source of water. To limit their, cap their capability to sustain natural green spaces around their homes and buildings is verges on criminal to me, okay? We saw what happened last year they have to have special consideration in these areas. Um, I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. You cannot make a blanket statement thinking that equity is equity when it's not really. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So um, I really wanted to press that one, that one point because we've already got a big bushfire happening down south yeah. and it concerns me that they're not considering these sorts of aspects. So, mm. Yes. Yeah. There's so, a big I, picture there. A huge, huge picture. And you're mm. right. We can do better and, and industry is all about supporting government to educate. We would happily run, you know, masterclasses on bore water, um, you know, maintenance, uh, management, how much, you know, application rates, all of those things. We would happily help. So, Fantastic. I, l I love your proactive approach. And I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas. Yes, both from all of us. And a healthy, oh, yes, very healthy, and safe, festive season. And we will speak again. Thank you very much, Eva. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Take you, care. You and love you too. Yeah. Okay, okay love. Bye. All the best. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right. Okay. Now, that link, if I'm correct, is dwer.wa.gov.au. Okay. We can mention that a few times for those that are interested. Now, Colin would like to make a comment on the water topic. Good morning, Colin. Oh, good morning, ladies. Um, this is, I'm not quite sure. I'll come in on the tail end of the yeah. Eva's conversation, but it's I believe there's a little-known fact about lawns that have much maligned the fact that they're water guzzlers. Mm. But I've read somewhere, quite reliably, that a lawn, you know, grass, is can produce more oxygen yeah. than what trees can. Yeah. I'm not quite sure if a lot of people appreciate that. And the other thing, of course, about trees we know, well, most people should know that you know, they'll take CO2 out of the air and put oxygen in yeah. but once again I wonder how many think of that mm. and 
the other point that uh, uh, obviously, obviously I'm a bit of a reader I read about in America in I think one of the middle states there they've actually put value on trees yes they've, ac- they've actually put a monetary value on trees yeah. because they finally realised you know they're just so es- essential to us now I'm left wondering sometimes with our government departments how much that they actually do look around the rest of the world because we keep on getting the politicians saying to us, oh, yeah, but this is what they do in America, they've proved this or some other place and I'll take that as a plateau. But mm-hmm. I wonder if anybody really has settled down and gone through the data of what other countries are doing. Uh, OK, a uh, lot, lot of them got more, more water than we have, but I'm sure we can learn uh, more facts about you know, uh, take, you know, taking the carbon dioxide out by uh, you know, trees and lawns. To me, it seems to me an excuse for laziness in a lot of areas yeah. <laughs> where people don't you know, get out and uh, ha- uh, look after a bit of green grass. Yeah, for sure. Good call, I Colin. With la- I, I agree with the lady about the yeah. uh, many places that are going now are just becoming, you know, generate heat on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's, anyway, there's... that's all I wanted to say. So, uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. That that yeah. is a different perspective and and something that we haven't heard before. So it gives us more of an avenue. And of course, a, a green zone compared to a dead a dead front verge, a dead yeah. front verge can still burn. And I've I've seen that in the suburb of Atwell last year. Mm. So well, this is tr- quite true. Mm. Uh, I uh, happened to work uh, some twenty years ago up north there uh, around the Ellenbrook, and I saw a fire get away up there. And yes, it, uh, yeah, it yes, so I have been in uh, not a fireman, but the job that I had was uh, we had our own uh, fire unit. But yeah, it just. Yeah, just, Something to be uh, mindful of. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Colin. Right, Adam. Okay, Bye. we've got lots of calls. We'll carry on. <laughs> Merry Christmas to yeah, you. All, all the best. Merry Christmas Thank to you. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I think it's the average uh, family home lawn produces enough oxygen for four people. Okay, uh, we're in Meadow Springs. Lynn, good morning. Oh, good morning. Um, I've been listening with interest, um, and I think a lot of the points are good. But I'm just wondering if any any um, of your listeners are keen on the idea of using a substitute lawn like Lipia, which we did in Waruna. Um, mm. It grows virtually in absolutely anything. In my experience, we had gravel, loam in part of our property and sand and God knows what else, and it grew all over it. And um, we found that it, we only used about 15% of what you would use for a normal lawn when we watered, um, which was usually in the dead of summer when it was really, really hot, and uh, it requires only one or two mowings a year, so it doesn't grow rampantly through everything. It's basically the um, the answer to a lot of people's prayers that don't like mowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, good. And the other thing is um, the only downside, um, if there is one, for me it wasn't, but... If people are allergic to bees, it does flower and you get a carpet of pink, you know, when it flowers. Excuse me. Um, And all I did, because a couple of friends of ours were allergic to bees, we would just run the mower over it when it flowered. And 
it was, you know, the issue was taken care of. That, so, um, that's a great call, that's on neglect and doesn't use a lot of water seems like a good idea to me. Absolutely. And for people who, who are struggling with lawns and perhaps want to reduce their lawns, maybe they could start taking out some lawn and putting a, a strip of lip here in. Yeah, it loves it. It loves the full sun. Um, I'll tell you one thing it doesn't like. It doesn't like fertiliser because I stupidly thought I'd hurry a bit along that I'd planted in the early stages and um, it didn't kill it, but it stopped. It took about two years of winter rains to leach all the nutrient out (laughs) and get it going again. Oh, wonderful. All right, thank you very much for your call, Lynn. Good one. Okay, thank you. Cheers for that. All right, now we're heading to Gidgee Gunner. Bill, good morning. Yeah, good morning, ladies. Thanks very much for the program. Oh, thank um, you. I've, I've got a question, and um, but I just want to um, reiterate what Eva was saying about um, also. Is, um, I agree with everything Eva was saying. A lot of it comes down to land management too. Unfortunately, in Gidgee, on a lot of the larger blocks, um, the water table up here has dropped between 10, 15, 20 metres over the last 20 to 30 years. And that culminated in the... Uh, it had a lot to do with the Mary canker disease that we were suffering and are still suffering that really became prevalent about 10 years ago. But a lot of... Um, you, uh, just a quick example is you get unscrupulous uh, real estate agents that tell people they can buy a block and do whatever they want and then... People mm-hmm. come in. It's not, a, it's not a cheap process, but then they'll fill their paddocks up with kaikui. They put a bore down and they just pour the water on. Just And within about 18 months, two years, everyone's bore dries up. Mm-hmm. And so does the people who put in the coarse paddocks and their kaikui. And then they say, well, what's going on? Because they're pumped. And, well, a lot of the hard surfaces that people put in, you can't get the water going into the ground. But anyway... Um, Eva's comments were fantastic and I think developers have a lot to answer for as well as real estate agents but basically it comes down to we've got too much food, uh, too many people um, but um, yeah. the the question I've got is uh, Lily Pilly Big Red um, I've put a few in and they're a fantastic hedge and so what I've he had a similar question last week I think and um, so I've been digging up all the seedlings underneath will those seedlings be true to form I would think so. Yeah. Oh, great, because I've been digging them up and then I can use them in other places. But, yeah, getting hundreds of them coming up. So they weren't a cheap plant when I bought them, but they're obviously a bit advanced. And do you know what? This is related to lily pillies. I was in my garden just on dusk the other night, or it was just past dusk, and I saw a little critter hop across the, the pathway and then I heard this noise in the lily pilly about three metres in front of me. And, oh, honestly, I, I did not know what I was seeing. There was all these things leaping around in the lily pilly. And if I was anywhere else, like in a jungle somewhere, I would have sworn that it was monkeys. But looking back now, I'm thinking... It was very possibly a cloud of bats in the lily pilly. Oh, right. I just very good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just said. Hasn't to been share even that. drinking or anything, <laughs> Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got, we've got mm. micro bats in Gigi, and I know mm. exactly what you mean. But I yeah. um, wouldn't have thought to look in uh, a lily pilly. But um, but anyway, thanks very much for your advice. Thanks, and Bill. Program. 
Yeah, right. thank you. Thank Cheers you. for that. Bye. And speaking yeah. of Lily Pillies, we've got a lovely email from Peter and Lynn, Lynn uh, Potter. They were winners of a Bigger Tree voucher and they went up there yesterday and did some damage and uh, they sent sent us a beautiful photo of what they bought and the trees are going into their front yard. Uh, I think these are Lily Pillies as well. I can't quite read properly with my glasses <laughs> even. I'm shocking. My eyes are terrible. Uh, let's see. We're going to have a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Eileen and Anne. Curtain Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening and going straight back out to our lines, of course. Received an email earlier from Kay. Uh, yeah, look, uh, a photo of her rose definitely looks like chili thrip. Love to know what suburb you're in, Kay. Uh, thank you for sending in the picture of your roads and the damage that is on it. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a now reminder yes. that it's for more information on the yeah. chili three. Yeah. If if you're not sure if that's what you've got, John actually compiled a whole lot of chats that we had last year on a, and put it into a podcast. It's a podcast of its own. It's very easy to find on the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page as a pinned post. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. there's a link there that takes you directly to it. So you can go it. to Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, and, and it's, it's pinned as well. So that's yes. another option as well as going through the Curtin FM website. Rightio, we are in Mandurah. Good morning, Anne. Thanks for waiting. Hello. Hi, hi Anne. Hi. hi. Oh, you missed somebody. Um, hi. Um, I got really... Um, excited about the water problems that we've got here and we live in a, on an acreage of five acres and the only water we have is our bore water and rainwater that comes off the roof because we're too far out of town for them to give us scheme water. So our water is very precious and, and I look at things that happen around the place, people watering their gardens and things like that and, and they just go and turn the tap on and they've got scheme water unlimited but a few years ago, we had a, a, a prime minister here, or no, it was one of our premiers, Mr. Barnett, and he tried to get a pipeline from the Ord River down to Perth and nearly got it, except he made a mistake with how much it was going to cost and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. but, but they've got unlimited water up there. The Ord River floods every year, and they put water out to the ocean. They, they try and get rid of it any way they can. So what 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 I'd like to see, and and I can see Eva's got brilliant ideas for what's happening in the, yeah. the our area, but I think we should take our blinkers off if you like and look beyond and look at the water supply that's up in the north of our our, our state, and 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 see if we can't get that pipeline going again. I mean at the moment um, West Australia's got lots of money, and and I can't see that something that they should look at especially mm. when we're all screaming about water and and yeah. you know trying to find out what to do to make us save more and eventually what we've got underground will not be there anymore it, it will we'll use it up and we i i think there's a a lot of oh a lot of questions I yeah. personally don't know all the answers to everything. I've got more questions than answers, but next yeah. year I would like to have, have a discussion. Mm. I kind of feel like we've got plenty of water. It's just in the wrong yeah. place. I see it flooding yeah. up over the freeway near South Perth every year in wintertime. Like if they could Correct. just take that and, and save it 
for when it's hot and dry. Anyway, next year we will tackle this a bit more. Yeah. There will be more answers to the questions coming through um, yeah. from people like Eva. And yeah. don't worry, we're on to it to be continued. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I, 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 got, I got really hot. Bev got me when I was really hot and under the collar. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. We've been simmering for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I bet, I bet. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Anne. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for the show and have a good Christmas and have a good break. Thank you, you very much. Thank you. You're Cheers. welcome. Bye-bye. And let's go to High Wickham saying good morning to Eileen. Thanks for waiting. That's all right. No problem. It's again talking about the water yep. use um, because where I have, I use Abernathy Bypass Road all the time and when they started digging the tunnel, um, we had lots of muck on the road. So they were actually using our drinking water to wash off the road. Meanwhile, the water sump that was coming off the highway had closed one lane because it was flooded over the road. So I rang up and said, you know, why aren't we using the stormwater to wash the road? Oh, no, you, you can't do that. So it just got worse and worse because they kept on using our drinking water to make the tunnel keep going. Um, and when I said, they said, oh, we've got to use that water because of the boring machine. And I said, well, how much water have we used? I've just received a water notification. I said, and in there it tells me to save water. I said, the amount of water that I can save is a teacup full virtually to what I'm actually watching go on the road. And it was going on the road because... It was a dreadful problem keeping it clean. That's even as they got further and further into it because the trucks that were actually transporting the water are the same company that transport the water up into the hills area when they run out of water over summer. Mm. So you can't be putting bore water into untreated water into those people's tanks. It's all um, our drinking water that gets transported to them. But I've fronted up to that many meetings and every time they ask me a question or send me a survey or something, I ask the same question or I bail up our pollies and ask them. Um, but nobody can tell you, nobody will tell you. It's the same as when they dug our sunk Calamunda Road. The amount of water that was going in there, and I've had a bore for over 50 years, or well, I turned it off. And when we went to turn it on, um, it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, and our bore was actually on a stream because, you know, it got put in a long time ago with people that knew how to find the water. It wasn't just a matter of digging a hole and putting down a pump. And, and that um, virtually the water level dropped um, to, from where it was for over 50 years. Yeah, so Eileen, it's a, it's a big subject. We're going to continue it on uh, in the new year and uh, we'll be doing our best uh, to tackle uh, comments like yours and uh, there's many other yeah associated and, issues. And certainly the uh, feedback that we yeah. can present, I, I will take comments that yeah. have been raised today yeah. and also note them in my response because... Yeah, we, we see water being used elsewhere. So we try not to waste water ourselves and maybe we we just need to try harder and all do our little bit. Thank you very and much that, for your call, Eileen. Because the other thing that has really suffered is all our big trees. And without our big trees, actually, 
keeping the earth cool, we'll end up like Bangladesh because we'll wash away in a flood. <laughs> we would thank you, We will Eileen. look into yeah. that too, Eileen. Thank Cheers, you. Love. Cheers for now. Okay, now we do have to go to a break. However, I do have our $75. <clears throat> Why does my voice always go when I have to do this? <laughs> I don't understand. Um, $75 gift voucher, compliments of Kerry from Bigger Trees in Pickering Brook. She's got a lot of advanced hibiscus in stock at the moment that's just arrived. She's got beautiful frangipanis. And I, I think she has a lot of rarer frangipanis for, the, for those of you out there looking for that extra special and different colours and uh, an extensive range of ornamentals and fruit trees and indoor plants. And I saw some indoor plants from her this week, actually. Uh, for my clients and oh they are beautiful absolutely beautiful and the clients are really enjoying them as a Christmas present you oh, know lovely. it's just everyone's going oh awesome so yeah it's been great and of course you can check out Bigger Trees yourself uh, biggertrees.com.au now here's the question a well known and you must okay not to have won a prize in the last 28 days and be a Curtin FM member a well known song about this flower would not have worked quite as well if the scientific name of Leon Topodium alpinum had replaced the common name. The white flower's name translates from the German as noble white. What is it? A well-known song about this flower would not have worked quite as well if the scientific name of Leon Topodium alpinum had replaced the common name. The white flower's name translates from the German as noble white. 94841927. 100.1 FM, And this is the last eight minutes of the program for 2021. We will be returning on the 15th of January. Now, we do have a prize winner. We do have a prize winner, Brandy. Thank you so much for playing with us. The question was, a well-known song about this flower would not have worked quite as well if the scientific name of Leontopodium alpinum had replaced the common name. The white flower's name translates from the German as noble white. The answer is Feocaro. Idlewise. Idlewise, a beautiful little alpine plant that suits cooler climates. Much love for its unusual bright white star-shaped flowers above silvery green. Now, Ray, you pronounce that very eloquently. Imagine if the song was that name. Can you say it again for us? Edelweiss. <laughs> Edel, Edelweiss. Try yeah. singing with its proper name. Leon <laughs> Tripodium. Yeah. Love that song. Sound of music. Eat your heart out. Oh, okay. Wasn't that a goodie? We've got a few emails. I'm not going to be able to get through them all because there is a stack now. But Selma from Southern River has had her lawn verti mode. It survived the hot weather and she couldn't be happier. Lawn's not looking too bad either. Uh, it had its first cut yesterday afternoon, which was 10 days later. She's noticed small mounds and was hoping we could give an idea of what it might be. So never seen anything other than earthworms, slugs and ants mostly. Well, you've probably got it covered. It could be ants. It could be earthworms. Uh, but sometimes there are bees and wasps and beetles that burrow into the ground. Uh, Jim's doing kangaroo impersonations behind me, but oh, I don't think it's nice. that. Frogs. Frogs. Oh, frogs. Frogs in the lawn, burrowing frogs. They could, it, it could be. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's a bad thing. And the lawn itself looks pretty healthy. It's, I must say it's a mystery to me too. Mm. 
and occasionally um, I have considered going and putting a glass jar over the top of a hole and seeing what to see if something comes up. So mm. if it's something that comes out at night time, that could be a good time to do it. Something might be attracted to a light. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just... That could you also just flood a small area where the mounds are and see if anything comes to the surface? That That's certainly one way. And dishwashing soapy water. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it can be a bit of a mystery because, as Eva says, it is a zoo beneath our feet. And just going to mention that link for those that would like to do this survey with regard to the potential introduction of water bores uh, usage being uh, brought back to the same as scheme water. If you'd like to have a chat, it's dwer.wa.gov.au. Now, dwer is d-w-e-r.wa.gov.au. Follow the links from there and you can do a quick anonymous survey. Have your say. It, 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 all, it all helps. Okay, carry on. Okay. And a, an email from Robin of Kingsley. Are fica sleeves good for mulching? Plus, are there any leaves you shouldn't use for mulching? Have a great Christmas and New Year. Many thanks, Robin from Kingsley. Well, just I would think just about everything that comes off trees is suitable for mulch. Certainly its own mulch. Um, you can value add by crunching them up and adding them to, to compost or worm farms or soaking them in water so that breaks them down and they will break down quicker. So they're organic. Um, as to what leaves you wouldn't use, I'd have to think about that. Avoid oleander leaves in your veggie garden. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, although they wouldn't be too bad for a pathway. And they're Fruit. organic, so they'll break down. Mm. So, mm. Mm. yes, interesting. Okay. So we've got about uh, two minutes left of the program. Um, John, big year, as always. We, you know how much we value you, and uh, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything you do. Wishing you wow. a very lovely Christmas and a healthy 2022. And to you too. Bev is out there yeah. doing her thing. Um, yeah, Bev has been sensational and amazing lady and uh, mm. she's very integral to this team as you are. Thank you both so very, very much from the bottom of our hearts. Keep us keep us on track. Keep us well, so well supported and informed. And well fed. And well fed, <laughs> <laughs> not to mention. Yeah, no, it's a great little team and uh, we have a ball. We do. Yes. It's getting bigger and better each year, isn't it, Ray? It is. It is. Yes. We, uh, uh, it's, it's our hobby. It's our passion. Uh, we do it voluntarily, I should say. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we, hope, we hope we're doing some good out there. We hope doing some good. We do. I must say I always look forward to getting up on a Saturday morning, setting the alarm for six and coming in yep. at seven and, um, yeah, Help, helping out where we can. Uh, just an update on the emails. As I said earlier, 505 so far this year. <laughs> Add eight to that that have come oh, in this morning. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, well, I I'll am. be replying to these ones by email that I won't okay, get through so today. So just once again, if people would like uh, some information about Chili Thrip, there is a podcast on our Curtain FM website. You go to curtainfm.com.au. 
On the home page, uh, click on programs. There's a drop down bar that'll take you to Let's Talk Gardening. And there is a podcast you will have to scroll, which is a cheeky little arrow on the right hand side that you might have to wave your mouse over. And uh, yeah, uh, if today I'll go home and I'll make it, chili trip the top. Okay, top one. So, so it's the first one you find. Okay, so uh, have another listen of that for anyone that is suspicious of their roses. And uh, yes, it's disappointing to hear that it is out there, uh, but not surprising, not surprising. What else do we need to cover? Oh, I don't know, Ray. I think, All right, I think our work is it. done. I think that's your lot for the year. That's your... <laughs> what is... Um, oh, because um, Peter Cullen passed away. Peter Cundall, Cundall passed Cundall. away at the ripe at, old age of 94. And what was the saying he used to say? That's your that's blooming your lot. lot. That's your blooming lot. <laughs> So that's your lot All for right. the year. Definitely. And my, my gardenism is grow through what you go through. <laughs> yes. Like yes. it? Yes. Okay. Jim Crinan is next with the classic 60s and from 12 noon, Brendan T. And born in boots. We are back on the 15th of January. Till then, gardening friends, thank you for your company this year. It is our privilege to bring Let's Talk Gardening each week. Keep safe. Have a pleasant Christmas. And we'll be chatting again soon. All our love to, to you guys. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.